two different people can have two very different responses to the same events. I see this principle at work in my home whenever I am watching the game of one of my favorite teams on television. My response to the game is to become very quiet. I become completely focused on what is happening on the television screen because the game that I am watching is of vital importance to the history of the universe. So I completely focus my attention on what's going on. For some strange reason, my wife does not see that particular game with the same level of importance. She will try to talk to me about something while I'm watching the game. Well, she will try until she realizes that this is one of my favorite teams. At that point, she knows that all attempts at communication are pointless. They will be pointless until the game is over. And then at the end of the game, she will try to determine whether now is a good time to talk. If she has heard me cheer and scream yes a lot during the game, she will realize now is a good time to talk. But if she has heard me scream, what are you thinking? How could you possibly do that? She will know at the end of the game, probably tomorrow is a better time to talk. The same event brings out two very different reactions in my house. In Luke chapter 2, one of the greatest events in world history has happened. It has truly happened. Jesus is born. An angel tells the shepherds the great news. And the shepherds have faith that it, indeed this is good news. They have faith that this is the best news ever. But when the shepherds go and tell the people around them about the good news regarding the birth of Jesus, these people have a very different reaction that they go and tell. We read in verse 18 of Luke chapter 2, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The people wondered. Their ears were tickled by the news that their king and Messiah had been born. They were surprised to hear that. But they did not respond to the good news in the same way that the shepherds had. The people in town just did not believe the good news like the shepherds did. A lot of people these days have come to the place where they want to grasp the true meaning of Christmas. They're like Charlie Brown in that sense. Tonight I want to tell you how you can grasp the meaning of Christmas, how you can truly get it in your hearts. The meaning of Christmas comes only to those who respond to the news of the birth of Jesus with faith. So let's look at Luke chapter 2 tonight to see what some of those responses of faith will look like. First, you respond in faith when you hear well. The message of the angel to the shepherds is found in verses 10 through 12 of Luke 2. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is great news. It's news that should bring joy to all of the Jewish people that their King and Messiah had been born. Their Messiah, who had come from the line of King David, had finally come. This baby Jesus would not only be a king, according to verse 11, he would also be a savior. 
He would save Israel from all their enemies, both their political enemies and the nations around them, as well as their spiritual enemies. And verse 11 concludes that this baby Jesus is not only a king and a savior, he is Lord. Luke does not go on to define the meaning of the word Lord at this point, but since the word Lord is the name for God in the Old Testament, it kind of makes you wonder at this moment how great Jesus must be. To be Israel's Messiah King was uniquely special, but to be Lord too? What does that mean? You have to read the rest of Luke's Gospel to find out. But already we are seeing that the birth of baby Jesus is the best news ever for God's people. So how did the humble shepherds respond to this news? They heard the good news well, and they responded with faith. They believed what the angel said. Verse 15 gives us the response of the shepherds. The shepherds did not say, Well, that was really interesting what the angel had to say. Let's look at what's on TV tonight. It's not how they responded. Instead, the shepherds said in verse 15, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds had faith that what the angel said was true. They did not go to Bethlehem in order to believe. They went to Bethlehem because they already believed. They heard the good news about Jesus, and in response, they went to Bethlehem. Their going to Bethlehem was, yes, an act of faith. They went because they believed that this child Jesus had been born to save them. They went with haste, according to verse 16. They went in a hurry to see Jesus and to meet him. And this is the part of the sermon where, sadly, I have to say some words to you once again. Do as I say, not as I do. Do not listen to God and to the Bible's words about Jesus like I listen to my wife when an important game is on TV. When a game is on, I can see my wife's lips moving. I can hear sound coming out of her mouth. But I am not really hearing. I am not listening. I am a bad example of how to hear well. Well, if I'm a bad example of how to hear well, who's a good example? Jesus' mother, Mary, is a good example in Luke chapter 2. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured what she heard about her son, Jesus. She chewed on the words of the shepherds over and over again, delighting in all that was said about Jesus. She took the words into her heart, reminding herself of the preciousness of her son. And then Mary pondered what the shepherds said about Jesus. She is mulling over in her mind what the shepherds had told her, trying to put the pieces together about how special her son must be. This, then, is hearing well, treasuring and pondering what is said about Jesus in the Bible. You want to know the meaning of Christmas? He 
hear well, then, what the Bible says about Jesus and respond to what the Bible says about Jesus with faith. Believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus. And then, like the shepherds, respond in faith to what you have heard. Go quickly and find Jesus, like the shepherds did, because Jesus is a treasure for all who have faith in Him. You respond in faith not only when you hear well, but also when you make peace with God and with all people. In verse 14, we read one of the most famous Christmas verses in the Bible. The words of verse 14 were spoken to the shepherds by not just one angel, but by a whole army of angels who came to announce the, the news. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now what kind of peace are the angels talking about? It's not the peace of a wrinkle-free, trouble-free life. Nobody gets that kind of life. It is not even an inner peace, which you heard talked about by all of the people in their testimonies this evening. It's not even talking about that kind of peace. Instead, the Bible's consistent teaching is that the most fundamental and important peace is peace with God. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not at war with God. So why does the Bible say that Jesus came to bring me peace with God? We have already seen the angel announce in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 that Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is King. So here's the problem. Every human being on earth wants to be the king. When Jesus comes along and says to us that he is the king over us, how do we respond? We go to war. We tell Jesus he's not going to be king over us. We are the only king. We are convinced that the only way that we can be happy is if we are king over every part of our lives. And this desire to be king leads not only to war with God, it also leads to war with other people. The message of Christmas is a message of peace on earth. But there is so little peace on earth because there is so little peace with God. So how do we get this peace with God. When Jesus was born, he was born into the Roman Empire, and there was an inscription in the Roman Empire at that time which said that the Romans were praised as the saviors of all. Peace meant submission to Roman rule. If you obeyed the Romans, then there would be peace. And some think that the same is true with God. If you try real hard, if you obey God in all things, then you can have peace with God. But there is a problem with that. When you obey God in order to try and earn his blessings and in order to try to earn heaven, you are seeking to be your own Savior by your own good works. And honestly, none of us can be our own Savior. We can't because none of us perfectly obeys God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says that all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. If we want peace with God, we need to admit that we are sinners who cannot save ourselves. Peace comes to those with whom God is pleased, according to verse 14. Peace comes when we receive the gift of God's mercy, not when we try to earn it. We need to believe, then, what Jesus has done for us to bring us peace with God. And what he has done for us is to die for our sins on the cross. He died the death we should have died. If we believe that Jesus died for us, then we will be forgiven for our many sins and saved from eternal death. We will instead have eternal life in heaven. Earlier this evening, we sang the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The carol begins with these words, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. It is faith in Jesus and what He has done that brings reconciliation between us and God. It is faith in what Jesus has done on the cross that brings peace. It is not our obedience or our good works that brings that peace with God. It is faith in Jesus' work on the cross that reconciles us to God. After you put your faith in what Jesus has done, you turn away from your old way of life. In the Bible's words, you repent. You turn, and God changes you. Instead of trying to be a king, you act as a peacemaker. Once you are at peace with God, you have learned how to admit your sins to God and to others. You have learned how to put your pride to death. And you have learned how to love people without needing to be in control. Have any of you noticed that there are a lot of angry people these days? The world needs less anger and more peacemakers. We show that we have faith in Jesus when we live at peace with God and with other people. You respond in faith as well when you lose your fear. Now notice what happens when the shepherds first come into contact with the angel in verse 9. We read in that verse that the glory of the Lord shone around them. This spectacular, glorious light let the shepherds know that they were in the very presence of God. Such a brilliant light in the evening sky would have been an impressive sight to signal God's presence to the shepherds. And when the shepherds knew they were in the presence of God, what did they feel? The end of verse 9 says that they were filled with great fear. This is how everybody in the Bible feels when they get close to God. They don't feel all warm and fuzzy when they first get near to God. They feel terrified and anxious. An encounter with the holy and righteous God is always initially startling and unsettling. But what are the first words that the angel says to the shepherds in verse 10? Fear not. Don't be afraid. I am bringing to you a message that will drive out your fear. 
replace it with joy. We go on to read in verse 10, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The shepherd's great fear will be overcome by great joy. And that joy will come to all who believe that Jesus is the Savior of their souls. One day, a bus driver was driving his regular route when this giant of a man got onto his bus. The man, a construction worker, was six feet eight inches tall, and he was built like a wrestler. He glared at the bus driver and he told him, Big John doesn't pay. And then that man went and he sat in the back of the bus. Now the driver, he was only five feet three inches tall. And so he didn't argue with Big John. He was a smart man. He was naturally afraid of him. But the bus driver became angry when Big John got on his bus every day and said exactly the same thing to him. The bus driver was tired of being treated this way. And he was tired of living his life in fear. And so the bus driver went and he joined a a bodybuilding gym. He took karate classes. He even went and he took self-esteem classes to build up his confidence. So one day when Big John came onto the bus and declared, Big John doesn't pay, the bus driver finally overcame his fear. He stood up, he glared at Big John, and he yelled, And why not? With a surprised look on his face, Big John replied, Big John has a bus pass. A lot of people look at God like he is Big John. They think that God is big, he's angry, and it seems that he wants to hurt you. It is natural, then, to be afraid of such a big, holy, and righteous God when we come into his presence. But here's the message that the angel had for the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. Yes, It is natural to be afraid of the God that you have rebelled against. But you don't have to be afraid anymore. God wants you to get near to him. And so he has sent his son, Jesus, to bring you reconciliation and forgiveness. If you have faith in this Jesus, you are not going to need to be afraid of God or of anything else for that matter. Instead, you can have the joy of being perfectly right with God. If you have faith in Jesus, you will be filled with the knowledge of God's love for you. And so we read these wonderful words in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 that I'd like for us to read together as a church. Let's read them together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When you know that you are loved by God, all the fear gets driven out of you. And what replaces the fear? Joy. The joy of being loved by God. The joy of knowing that God is good and in control. The joy of knowing that you have an eternal home with God. This is the meaning of Christmas. If you have faith in Jesus, You don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Instead, you can have joy. 
You can have the joy of a close relationship with God because Jesus has brought you forgiveness and righteousness. Finally, you respond in faith when you perceive the good news. I want you to notice an unusual word in verse 10. It's the word behold. The angel says in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We don't really use the word behold these days. It's a word that means to look or to see. If you want to practice using the word behold in a sentence, you probably wouldn't have it work out too well if you announced to your family before dinner some night, Behold, your dinner. You see, the word behold is usually used when you are looking at something remarkable or impressive. And so if you are a five-star chef, that might work to say, Behold your dinner. But for the rest of us, eh, it probably wouldn't work too well. But notice what the angel is saying in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Behold Jesus. Look at him. Really see him. Take the time to perceive how remarkable and impressive Jesus is. If you will perceive how great Jesus is, then you will be free of your fear and you will have joy instead. What makes Jesus so great? The good news that the angel announced in verse 10 is that Jesus is your Savior. You cannot save yourself. Actually, you need to be saved from yourself and your attempts to do enough good deeds to please God. You need Jesus and Jesus alone to save you. It is only his work on the cross of dying for your sins that saves you from punishment and from fear. It is not any work that you do that saves you. Do you see that? Do you perceive what Jesus does for you? How he saves you? The meaning of Christmas is that you will be saved by faith in Jesus. Have you then put your faith in Jesus? Have you believed that Jesus and Jesus alone can make you right with God? If you would like to put your faith in Jesus tonight, I would be happy to talk with you afterwards about how you can do that, to receive him as Savior and King of your life. Of course, we need to behold that Jesus is not only Savior, he is also King, according to verse 11. He has come to be our King. It's really scary to let someone else take control of our lives even if we do perceive by faith that Jesus is King and Lord. So how can we trust Jesus with our lives? Look with me at the manger. I've got a picture today of a child in a manger. This is, of course, not Jesus. No cameras around in Jesus' day. But I want you to imagine if this truly were Jesus. Imagine that. I want you to perceive who Jesus really is. Look at what he has done. Jesus is the mighty God and the Lord of the universe. But how did Jesus come to earth? As a helpless baby. When Jesus was in that manger, he was unable to do more than just lie there.
and stare and wriggle and make noises like all babies do. Jesus was completely dependent upon his parents, Mary and Joseph, to feed him, to change him, to teach him how to talk, and to provide for all of his needs. How staggering is that, that God would choose to enter the world in that way? How staggering that Jesus, the Lord and King of the universe, would lose all control over his life, his circumstances like that. And he did that all for you. If Jesus did that for you, then I believe that you can trust him. Jesus surrendered himself into the hands of God and into the hands of his parents. He surrendered himself to save you, to die for your sins. Do you see that? Do you perceive that by faith tonight? If Jesus did all of that for you, can't you trust him with your life? Jesus loves you so much. He loves you enough to surrender himself to life as an infant and to death on a cross. He gave up all for you. Won't you trust someone who did that for you? So then behold, look at Jesus really see him. If you perceive that all that Jesus has done for you, you will not only lose your fear and gain joy, you will also grasp the true meaning of Christmas when you put your faith in Jesus like the shepherds did. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth for us. Thank you for your willingness to lay down all that you were in terms of your power and glory so that you might join us here on earth to show us your love and to bring us your salvation. I pray that we would live by faith in you. I pray that we would not resist you anymore. But I pray instead that we would surrender to you as king and trust in you as Savior. In your great name we pray. Amen.